What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. YouTube doesn't show me the comments as well on uh, on my actual computer. So throw out your questions. I'm sure I won't find uh, I won't find everything. So just like be really angry and aggressive in chat if I miss it the first time. And I'm sure I'll get it the get it the second time. As people trickle in, I'll throw you a few throw you a few the uh, fantasy playoffs. They're going to be what we face after this week. There are very like interesting ways to leverage right now one week ahead of time what we have for the fantasy playoffs. I'll just throw you a few as people get in here. The Rams have the second easiest quarterback and wide receiver schedule. Goff is available. Maybe you pick him up. He's got some good matchups. They get the Seahawks in the fantasy championship. Josh Reynolds is another guy that could be available. Green Bay, if someone let go of Jamal Williams, I know he had a good game last week, but if he's still around, they have the second easiest running back strength of schedule in the fantasy playoffs. Tight end was kind of tough because most of any tight end with a pulse has already been picked up, but one that I think is interesting is Seattle has the number five strength of schedule based on uh, fantasy points allowed to their opponents. Jets, Washington Rams, and those Washington Rams defenses seem good, but they are at least middle of the pack to above average against tight ends. Jacob Hollister last week, I believe, saw five targets. Will Disley wasn't targeted. Interesting. I'm not uh, too stoked about it, but it's at least interesting. Maybe a, a stash if you're struggling at tight end. And lastly, defense. Arizona faces Colt McCoy, Carson Wentz, and Nick Mullins in the fantasy playoffs. The Browns have a similar stretch with McCoy in the second round, Darnold in the fantasy championship, and the Ravens in the first round of fantasy playoffs. Most people start in week 14, I believe. So that's not the greatest matchup, but also it's honestly not as bad of a matchup as uh, it's been in week, weeks past or years past. So I guess uh, they're probably the number two fantasy pickup for you know most leagues. So those are your fantasy playoff nuggets. Start throwing out some questions, guys. Uh, let's see what we have here. I saw, I saw the very first comment is no sound. That would be crippling that would be someone in chat let me know that i can actually uh be heard okay <laughs> I, have, I have no clue cool i have i've been told by our producer josh on the sticks saying you guys can hear me now which is uh which is ideal it's good that everyone can hear me because it'd be a real shame it'd be like just any other friday where i just like scream in my own uh <laughs> in my own microphone you guys don't know it, but after the show goes off i just sit here and i also just talk to myself alone so assuming everyone can hear me please go ahead and uh, start throwing out questions in the chat some interesting interesting fantasy propositions this week heading into i believe this will for most people be the final week before fantasy playoffs i have uh, any thoughts on colin johnson perfect colin johnson right now we have i believe dj shark logging limited practices right now it seems more likely than not that he comes back in once he comes back in colin johnson had i mean very, very limited at best role. I think he scored his first touchdown like in week four or five. But outside of that, he really wasn't even a factor too much. 
So even if they don't get both Chark and Conley back, I think he slots in as the number four, maybe the number three receiver if he's able to beat out one of the the chalk bus last week of Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault. But outside of outside of some very, very deep, like uh, you know, four flex leagues, I don't think he's he's really much worth a start, assuming Chark and, and Conley both come back, or at least Chark comes back. If Chark doesn't come back, although it looks likely. I would say you can actually viably start Colin Johnson as like a wide receiver four or five. It's still not great, but he at least enters the fray as someone you can consider consider playing. Justin Jefferson going for two TDs. Seems like something he could do. He's really good. I think he is three games away from tying the Odell Beckham record for 100-yard games in his rookie season. So Justin Jefferson, two TDs, I'd say that's possible. I think I saw someone throw out, uh, can we talk about uh, the DeAndre Swift situation? I saw this right before we went live on, uh, I saw it just on a Roto World Twitter post, is that he would have a limited role. I know, like, kind of sad, unfortunately, that his teammates were talking about him, like, not seeming the same, being quiet, not being, like, just a presence in the locker room. And all of those seem much like symptoms of concussions, unfortunately. And uh, that is what he was sidelined with. So I'd say he's... Or like just from a fantasy perspective, from like a, a human to human perspective, it's very unfortunate. Hopefully the guy can get healthy. And if he doesn't play this week, like that probably just means more deserved rest time for what seemed like a promising rookie breakout. And I still think like, like I have like some dynasty teams. I am holding Swift everywhere. I wouldn't be concerned long-term with this. I think uh, like for the most part, no injuries are, are really like repetitive injuries, sticky injuries year over year. Players who like tear their ACLs, I think are actually less likely to tear that same ACL again. Concussions a little bit more repetitive than most injuries, but not like uh, like the Jordan Reeds are the ones we think of. They're often the outliers. Most players end up suffering concussion at some point. Even like Brandon Cooks really has struggled with concussions. Then comes back this year and completely like dominates relative to the expectations of him. And he's probably going to dominate going forward with no Will Fuller, no Kenny Stills, no Randall Cobb. Team is kind of uh, bereft of receiver talent right now. So with Swift long term, I'm very excited for him. I hope he can get healthy as soon as possible. If he plays this week, they talk about him being completely limited in his role. I think he's still viable because we see this often with uh, with running backs where one, like if if Adrian Peterson goes out and gets injured, almost immediately we get DeAndre Swift back. If DeAndre Swift goes out and runs for 30 yards on his first carry, do you really think this Lions team that has just been beaten to, to dust this year is going to say we have to limit his role? Like, Football players think of themselves and coaches think of their players as like warriors. So sure, I do think our projection of him should be less than the expectation for, you know, coming off of his awesome breakout a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think we should project him for less. But do I think he's a viable RB2, RB3, especially because he has pass catching upside and his team is an underdog this week, which could be like something that actually works in his favor because you're not going to ideally, I guess if you're a coach, you're not throwing to carry on Johnson, you're not throwing to Adrian Peterson. He'd be the guy you'd throw it to. So maybe being an underdog really isn't even much of a hindrance to him. So you can start him. I wouldn't be excited. And I'm kind of just disappointed with the situation for him personally in his health and for fantasy perspective. Can Frank Gore be a, a viable, a viable play in desperation? Yeah, he can definitely be a viable play in desperation, but it is truly just that desperation. I think you can reasonably project him for, let's call it between like 12, 18 carries, which is a lot. But you can also likely, in the median, project him to be one of the least efficient running backs on one of the teams with the lowest implied team totals, meaning he has a very small chance of scoring a touchdown. When you look at like Sam Donald, I get it. He was an interesting prospect. He came in as, I think, the youngest quarterback prospect ever or something like that, and he's just been god-awful. And mostly when I look at like my running back's touchdown production, I simply want them to play in an offense that can put up a lot of touchdowns. It's about getting in positions to score as much as it is about like, like sure, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, even if I don't think their offense is going to be as good this week, say, you know, they play a, a Steelers, they play a Ravens, and I think, well, their offense probably isn't going to be as good. They have a good chance of finding that long touchdown or just vacuum up, vacuuming up like all of the touches on their entire offense. Someone like Frank Gore isn't going to be the focal point of his offense. His team isn't going to put up a lot of touchdowns, and he's not creating touchdowns on his own. Like I, I think there's probably some aspect of a guy like Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, you know, Dalvin Cook, where they can truly be difference makers on an individual slate. It's just running backs kind of, uh, it's difficult to repeat that. So I don't want to dive too deep into, you know, do running backs matter or not? Those guys probably matter a little bit, enough where I'm comfortable playing them regardless of matchup. If their quarterback went down, I'd still play them. Frank Gore, he's fine. He's going to get a lot of touches, but Sam Darnold is literally last in the league in adjusted yards per attempt and yards per attempt by a wide margin. He's been truly one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year. And it shows when Joe Flacco, like broken back Joe Flacco, comes into this team, they look better. 
by a lot. So Frank Gore, at most a desperation RB three or four, but there are teams that that's good enough for. So I would argue that uh, I'd argue that I guess you can definitely start him. Just don't really expect much more than eight to 12 PPR points, which I don't know, that could work, I guess, for some teams. Let's see, what do we have here? Ferkser, if Jonu sits out, yeah, I I, uh, I think even if, like, Ferkser is even a deep, deep play for, like, uh, tight end premium teams. I've picked him up on a lot of teams. This offense is simply one of the most efficient passing offenses in the entire NFL, the Tennessee Titans are. And we've seen Jonu Smith's role, like, vary quite wildly week to week. I think Jeff Swain last week actually out-targeted him. Anthony Ferkser ends up out-targeting him every every few games, and they run two tight end at, I believe, the third highest rate in the league. So, although, yes, Anthony Ferkser is a backup tight end essentially he's a backup tight end in the way that wide receiver threes could be called backups they run so much too tight end that he's on the field enough and he's on an efficient offense at least efficient enough ryan Tannehill is like top five or ten in adjusted yards per attempt yards per attempt qb rating every efficiency metric so he's going to be on the field a decent amount for a team that although they don't pass uh, they don't pass a lot as much as we'd like for our streaming tight ends they're going to do it really efficiently so when you look at guys who have a decent chance of scoring a touchdown I look at someone like Tyler Eifert, who I think is going to be on the field more and, and maybe even see more targets than someone like Anthony Ferkser. When I stream Tyler Eifert, I feel like I'm drawing dead to ever score a touchdown. And I think he scored last week too, but it was on incredibly low volume. And he only had, I think it was 16 yards and a touchdown or something like that. So your your ceiling looks so low, whereas like Ferkser probably has like double touchdown upside. I think he was in the optimal lineup when Jonu Smith got hurt versus the Texans, if I remember that game correctly. He had like a double touchdown game or maybe 100 yards. There's a chance that he has a big game because he plays on a really efficient passing attack. And and at streaming tight end, that is the best thing you can hope for because tight end is so awful. And all of the good tight ends, all the mediocre tight ends have been completely snapped up. Drew Sample at tight end, thoughts on, oh, Drew Sample is the start of that question. I'd take Ferkser over him. I think, like I talked about with Frank Gore, Drew Sample is just on what we can easily project to be one of the worst passing offenses and offenses outright in the league with Brandon Allen under center. It's unfortunate, but without Joe Burrow, I think you can play Tyler Boyd and T Higgins as like flex plays wide receiver threes, probably. And outside of that, not starting green, you can make an argument for Giovanni Bernard. It's kind of the same thing with more pass catching upside as a Frank Gore. Maybe has a little more juice as a runner, but maybe I don't really factor that in as much as I factor the offensive efficiency. So sample viable perks are desirable. Almost. I guess you could argue that he'd be desirable. Let's see. What else do we have here? Akers or Snell this week? Um, I So I believe we have um, James Conner not eligible to return yet. I think he is still close. If he is, no reason to play Snell, but I assume that this means he is not eligible to return. I mean, Snell looked kind of like the guy. We saw some Anthony McFarland, but I think our projection for Anthony Snell should be much more confident in what we saw from the game versus the Ravens. And most importantly, that first game, I believe it was week one, versus the Giants, where it was like the, the worst possible thing. I have a ton of James Conner in my season-long leagues, and he goes out, and he starts the game, gets all the carries in the first drive, and I'm like, oh, it's James Conner bell cow season, and we're just going to print. And then he gets hurt, and Benny Snell comes in and takes every single carry and every single target out of the backfield except for one given to James Samuel on both, carry and a target. Maybe we don't see that exact split. Anthony McFarlane was like inactive for that game. They didn't even bring him to that game. But I do think Snell, we can reasonably project to see a lot of the carries and some of the targets. You probably expect more of that role to go towards Anthony McFarlane, who does have the draft capital. He did have an interesting receiving profile as a running back coming out of Maryland, I believe. So maybe he doesn't see quite the receiving role we want to see, but it's not like Akers is going to see that. Like Sean McVay has come out and said on multiple occasions that they view Malcolm Brown as the team's pass catching back, the third down back. He's good enough as a pass catcher, and most importantly, He's a pretty solid pass blocker. I know PFF has him graded as a decent pass blocker. So for that reason, there's really no, no reception upside when you play someone like Cam Akers. And I get it. I love Cam Akers. He did such an incredible job just producing yardage and touchdowns and being a good receiver at a Florida State team that had, I think, like they were graded as the worst power five offensive line in the in the entire NCAA when he played his, uh, I would assume it's a junior season for Cam Akers. He was an incredible prospect. He got high draft capital, which affirms the fact that he was an incredible prospect. And yeah, it didn't quite work out for him to start his career, but things are trending only modestly in the right direction. I, I admit they're trending in the right direction, but only modestly. Last week, he saw nine carries. He had the long run, scored the touchdown. That was awesome. But he still didn't even lead his team in, in carries. It was Daryl Henderson who saw 10 carries to uh, to Cam Akers' nine. Then Malcolm Brown, I think, saw three. So 
right now, at least the best information we have to work with is he's still the one B running back on a team that yes, does want to run the ball a lot, but they also have a one C running back in, you know, maybe it's more of a two running back or a three running back in Malcolm Brown, but it's still a three-way committee. He has no receiving upside and tentatively is still the number two. Even if he does ascend to be the number one running back ahead of Daryl Henderson, I don't think they put Daryl Henderson away. He's been pretty good this year. So I think he falls maybe ahead of ahead of Frank Gore because in my mind's eye, I truly just cannot see a ceiling performance from Frank Gore. He can go and score a touchdown. He can catch a few passes. 20 points seems like his ceiling. I think it's very possible. It's like maybe 10% chance that Sean McVay just decides that Cam Akers has looked like the best running back. He's been evading tackles at a higher rate than their other backs. He's been breaking away long runs at a higher rate than their other running backs. It's possible that he sees that they end up having a lead this game and they're one of the most run heavy teams when they do have a lead and we get a big week from Cam Akers. But I still think it's it's five to 10% that he goes for a 20 carry game because Sean McVay has been so committed to having this committee, you know, backfield by committee. It's something he even talked about in the offseason. I think he cited the uh, 49ers backfield as one where he said he wanted to emulate that kind of backfield where they have guys who are specialized at specific roles. So Akers is not a bad play this week. There are like very difficult running back situations we have for teams that have been like rotating your like if you picked up Duke Johnson, David Johnson, I believe, returned to practice. Coach said he looked good, ready to go. You're kind of without your Duke Johnson now. You know, there's guys that you if you picked up Neam Hines, Jonathan Taylor could return this week. You could be without that streaming back. If Cam Akers is the best available, I'll say I'll take him over Frank Gore. I would still be hesitant to start him as anything more than like a deep flex option. Let's see, Julio Jones or Hopkins based on matchup. I, I I don't know. I don't think the DeAndre Hopkins matchup, I know it's it's Jalen Ramsey. I'm not not really that concerned with it. He, he faced Jalen Ramsey a lot when he, they were both playing in the AFC South. And he typically, I don't even want to say he got the better of him. He was targeted a ton in those matchups. And that's all that matters is like targets. I get that they weren't, uh, you know, targets come at a downgrade when you face one of the league's best corners. But he ended up getting there very often because he would have these 12, 13, 14 target games. And even if he only brought down seven of his targets on a 14 target game, that's not good in terms of efficiency. It doesn't matter. Volume is volume. And specifically when he was going up against, you know, one of the league's best corners, his team threw to him anyways. And he has the exact same situation here in Arizona where like, what is your alternative? Are you going to throw it to like Christian Kirk? I like, I guess you could do that, but I will take, and, and Deandre Hopkins teams have taken thrown to Deandre Hopkins in a difficult matchup versus throwing to any of their number two receivers in easier matchups, you know, facing whatever second corner or whatever coverage they were facing. I think we have a strong enough history of cornerback matchups being fluky enough, DeAndre Hopkins being, you know, versus Jalen Ramsey being a great example, that I'm going to keep riding with Hopkins as probably a top five receiver. Julio Jones simply just, his target share is going to be a little bit lower. The game doesn't, uh, seems like maybe a lesser environment versus the Taysom Hill-led Saints where that, like, so disappointing. The Taysom Hill-led Saints have been like a, a slow, run-heavy team, which, although doesn't directly affect their opponents, it does overall just slow the play volume in an individual game. And we saw that in their first game versus the Falcons. It's just a less exciting game environment when Taysom Hill is involved. So I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins, not because of the matchup, but in spite of the matchup and because of the targets. Let's see what we got here. Julio's Matt Ryan spirit animal. Yeah, Matt Ryan looks like a guy who just needs all of the help he can get at this point. It just seems very, very dusty. Uh, so hopefully for his sake, we can get a, a decent game from Julio Jones. Cleveland is going to shut down Derrick Henry. I'm from Cleveland. Hey, I'm a, I'm from uh, from the upper Akron area. A.J. Brown could have a really good game. Yeah, A.J. Brown could have a really good game. He's really good. I don't think he's seen double-digit targets more than once, maybe not. I don't think he's actually seen double-digit targets at all this year. And the guy like just doesn't care. Last season, he was one of the leaders in yards per target. And I, I was probably at the top of the roof screaming like regression. This guy can't continue to do what he has done. And the rate at which this team uses play action, the rate at which they like pass successfully on their deep balls, it has all been like completely preventing A.J. Brown, who is now fighting even more so with Corey Davis for targets from facing any sort of regression. And like when the regression hits, apparently he's just going to return an onside kick to the house. So yeah, A.J. Brown probably could have a good game. Derrick Henry, sure, he could have a bad game. Like he was probably one of the most, uh, like of all the elite backs, the one who was most prone to having bad games because he simply has no equity in the passing game. He, I think, has one game with over two receptions this season. He just, uh, you know, it's not it's not what he does. And I think, I'm not sure if it was uh, like Rabel or someone came out and said that they want to get him more involved in the passing game. 
like I've heard this story before. I don't, I, I will not believe that on my life until I see Derrick Henry do something he has historically never done dating back to his time in college. So he is one of the more fragile elite backs, but Derrick Henry having a bad game, like you, you can't bet on that and like bench him as you head into the fantasy playoffs. So although sure it could happen, I would say as I believe at home favorites with a 29 implied team total, he's, he's probably a, a pretty solid play this week would be my, my opinion. Jared Goff or Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would go, so I'm not sure if we have the uh, Tua news yet. I think they said they were going to wait till Sunday to decide. Uh, not entirely sure if they've updated that. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick does start, I would I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick. Simply the Jared Goff-led Rams, whenever they are winning in games, are one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL. They're currently favored by, I think it's about a field goal. Maybe that line has moved a little bit. But when the line opened, they were favored over the Cardinals. If that holds, we're not going to see a lot of Jared Goff and the, you know, the efficiency with which the Rams run the football. Although maybe, you know, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say even Jared Goff throwing is a better like yards per play than almost any running attack in the league. They're efficient enough running that they've been able to sustain an offense that way. And they've been keeping Jared Goff sort of just uh, protected essentially from his own mistakes and from his own, own foibles. So uh, as long as Jared Goff is a favorite, I'm really never looking to start him unless the matchup is like, if he's favored versus Seattle, that game should have a crazy total. That should be a fun scoring environment. I think it's okay to play him. This game doesn't have a crazy total. I think it sits a little below 50. He's favored. I don't think it's a place where I'm dying to start him. I can get it though. I, like, I get why you'd go there. I still wouldn't be doing it. Fitzpatrick on the other hand is just like, he's like Jameis Winston-like, you know, he's a aggressive downfield passer. He's got at least one good downfield weapon, Devontae Parker. Things typically set up well for these kinds of players, so I will go. I will go Ryan Fitzpatrick on that one. We have uh, we have Loco in the chat. Irv Smith uh, again. Don't practice today. Yeah, not doesn't look like he's going to play. And Brandon Dillon in line to be elevated. If Irv Smith doesn't play, like we need to be going out and picking up Kyle Rudolph in the exact same vein of Anthony Ferkser, how I've talked about these kind of ugly tight end plays when they're on efficient offenses in games with good totals, like the Vikings. I believe they face the Jags this week. Have one of the highest implied team totals. That is a lot of touchdowns to go around. Like I, I don't like, don't like Kyle Rudolph. I think he's the most boring vanilla tight end. And all I want to do is see an Irv Smith breakout for the sake of all my dynasty teams. I don't really care if Kyle Rudolph is going to be an every down tight end on one of the more efficient passing attacks, much like Tennessee, where they don't throw a lot, but when they do, Kirk Cousins is again like top five or top ten in basically every efficiency metric in terms of yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt. QBR and quarterback rating, which are somehow different. I don't, I think ESPN has proprietary claim on one of them or something. If you're going to be on that efficient of a passing attack, I'm probably going to be starting your tight end as a streamer. So unfortunately it looks like I have to play Kyle Rudolph once again, who I did pick up in a few of my leagues and was uh, handsomely rewarded last week. Let's see Jarvis Landry or T Higgins. I'll go with Jarvis Landry here. Like another player that's kind of boring, not too exciting, low a dot. He needs to get a lot of targets to get there. Got a lot of targets last week, and they don't really have anyone else to take away targets from him. They're underdogs versus a Tennessee defense. It's kind of been ripped apart throughout the season. They've gotten a little better as of late. They were one of the worst defenses to start the year. They've gotten a little better. I don't really care. The game, I believe, as I last checked, has the highest total on the, the main slate, probably close to the highest total in the entire week. And although we're not talking about DFS, like I still want to score touchdowns, regardless of if it's on the main slate or if it's on you know my, uh, my home dynasty league. So Jarvis Landry, as a clear number one receiver, on a team that's an underdog to still a bad defense in a game with a great total. This looks like the shootout of the week. And I'm going to play the number one receiver, even if he's Baker Mayfield's number one receiver in the shootout of the week over T Higgins, who is or is not the number one receiver, maybe for Brandon Allen. Like, even if you don't like Baker Mayfield, you have to admit Brandon Allen, come on, we're not, we're not playing Brandon Allen receivers if we can afford to, if you know, you're facing T Higgins versus Zach Pascal. Yeah. You can play T Higgins because he's been incredibly good. Brian Claremont says, good morning, Kyle. Good morning. That's the, uh, that's the analysis, is good morning. Let's see what else we have here. Oh, there's, a, I think, a, maybe an Austin Eckler thing coming. I have Eckler, Montgomery, Drake, Jonathan Taylor, having a hard time, two to start. I will rank them because I don't know how many you have to start. I mean, it's Eckler. Like, it's, it's so Eckler. Eckler is so freaking good. Like, one, he gets this reputation as this, uh, like, this James White style back anecdotally if you look at him the guy is built like, the guy is built like maurice jones drew he is jacked out of his freaking mind and he can handle the workload for the first time last or like for the most last week he saw the most carries plus targets he has ever seen i believe it was like 
27 or 30, something like that. He was targeted 16 times, brought down 11 of them. He is he's the closest thing we're going to get to Alvin Kamara until Alvin Kamara is not playing with Taysom Hill. Just the the passing volume that you get by playing Austin Eckler is better than without Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Alvin Kamara. It's by far really the best you're ever going to see in the NFL right now. And when those guys return, it will still be competing with them. It's just that now those guys aren't even in the picture. So Austin Eckler, clearly the one of those guys, man, don't make me think about David Montgomery, David Montgomery. I mean, not Austin Eckler levels, but since week three, so week four onward has run the most routes in the entire league out of all running backs. That is, and he even missed a game with concussion and missed a little bit of the game before that. I believe still leads the entire league in routes run. They simply don't have a backup running back that they want to use, which is shocking because Cordero Patterson is good. And I like Cordero Patterson, but simply put, like they just don't, uh, don't want to use Cordero Patterson in that role. So you're going to get a decent three down roll from David Montgomery, who this week faces a terrible Detroit defense. They're favored. They're at home. They have a solid 24 implied team total. So David Montgomery, let's see who else we had here. Jonathan Taylor and Kenyon Drake. Uh, David Montgomery, I guess I'll take as the number two out of those guys. It's difficult, but I, I buy volume above all else. I truly have no clue what kind of volume we're going to see with Jonathan Taylor, given how successful Niem Hines has been, you know, last week in lieu of Jonathan Taylor, but even the weeks that Jonathan Taylor is, is active and healthy. I know two weeks ago we saw, I believe it was like 20 or 26 carries from him. Maybe that's a breakout, but we know what role David Montgomery has. And that is the ceiling, the absolute ceiling for Jonathan Taylor. And given Chase Edmonds role, I don't see how Kenyon Drake even comes close to the pass catching production that David Montgomery has. So Ugh, how ugly. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. I have them ranked Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, and I will go with Jonathan Taylor here because I like the ceiling. I think he has a chance to catch passes given the rate that Philip Rivers throws to his running backs. It is enough to go around, I think. I hope in the game environment is good. I believe that's an indoor game versus the Houston Texans with one of the higher team totals as well and one of the higher game totals. So I'll put Jonathan Taylor above Drake, especially since Drake is an underdog this week and has no pass catching upside. Like We've just seen Chase Edmonds play too much of that role to really assign much more than two targets to Kenyon Drake. His team is an underdog, so I think he takes gets off the field more often, maybe as often as someone like Taylor. Taylor has a higher implied team total. He's favored. I give him a slight lean. So I guess to recap, Eckler, a massive sigh, David Montgomery, then Jonathan Taylor and Kenyon Drake. Let's see what else we have here. I try and talk a little bit about these guys to give us time, throw out your questions between uh, between my monologues. Clyde, J.K. Dobbins, Devontae Booker, half PPR flex. Ah, man, I have so much love for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he's the chief starting running back. But I will say, if if Josh Jacobs is out, I think he's still been a DNP throughout the throughout the week at this point. If Josh Jacobs is out, you take the you take the player who will be undoubtedly the lead back against the New York Jets as like probably close to double digit favorites. That's just uh, you know that's money in the bank. So if Josh Jacobs doesn't end up playing, and if I miss something and he's not playing already, you know you have your answer. We take Devontae Booker here, and then for the touchdown upside, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He's used as a receiver. He's used as a runner. The team doesn't run incredibly often, but they do put up a massive amount of points. And frankly, with this Baltimore team, like we really just can't say that they're even going to put up a ton of points, even if Lamar Jackson is back. Like they just have been kind of a, a struggling offense. We can feel so much more confident that uh, we can feel so much more confident that someone like Clyde Ardslayer will be in positions. His team will at least be in positions to score touchdowns. Does he get them? Maybe, maybe not, but I, I'd rather bank on that kind of upside than, uh, than going with J.K. Dobbins, who could have a similar role. They have operated a committee backfield the entire season. They spent second-round draft capital on J.K. Dobbins and refused to let him take over. I think the last time we saw Dobbins, he finally led the team in carries. I still think that at least could be a mirage. We could see you know, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, you know, probably not Justice Hill at this point, but uh, we could see these guys factor in. So I'm too, too concerned to avoid the touchdown upside of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm too concerned with the J.K. Dobbins touch floor, which seems low. So Kyle is doing good. He knows this stuff. Yeah, I, I've been, uh, I've been writing 
for since like eight in the morning. So I have like a bunch of really random stats memorized that will be gone by Sunday morning. These are like short term, short to intermediate term memory that I can have all these things stuffed into into my stupid brain and uh, like actually useful things. Like how do I write a check? Couldn't tell you, no clue. But like I can tell you what the Bears implied team total is this week. So that seems incredibly like an incredibly useful life skill, which is, uh, yeah, it's great. Waller or Drake in the flex. Darren Waller or Kenyon Drake. Um, man, I am a little concerned. I'm always concerned that with Darren Waller, and we've seen this kind of week in and week out, when his team is in close games, when they're losing but not getting killed by the Falcons, when they're in close games and not getting killed but underdogs, that's a great spot to play Waller. His target share leads the NFL, at least in tight ends, leads the NFL. It's like 27%. I don't think anyone is even uh, at 25%. Like He has a few percentage point gaps in the amount of targets he's going to see, percentage-wise. His team does not love throwing the football. Derek Carr has even been efficient this year. So I think I'd go with Kenyon Drake here. I know I talked about Drake also having volume concerns, but at least his team as an underdog has still continued to run the football a decent amount, especially with you know Kyler Murray dealing with, I believe it's a shoulder injury. He hasn't really done much as a runner in the past two weeks, and we've seen that volume kind of make its way to Drake. So I'm going to bank on, let's call it 15 or so carries from Kenyon Drake, more so than I'm concerned that like, if we get two Josh Jacobs touchdowns to start the game versus the Jets or Devontae Booker, if Josh Jacobs doesn't play, then at that point, how much do we even see of Darren Waller in the passing attack? So a slight lean, I will go to Kenyon Drake, but that's like, that's a good, honestly, that's a good, good question to have is that you get to start either of those guys in your flex. Let's see what else we have. Uh, Waller, Drake, uh, Gus blew his chance. I like, he definitely, he definitely probably blew his chance. But how can you blame him when you look at what that offense was able to do, which was next to nothing, like the Marquise Brown touchdown on a broken play with the third string quarterback? He definitely blew his chance, like if especially from a fantasy perspective, you and I, we don't you know, we don't make the decisions on whether he starts in real life, but we do make the decisions on whether he starts in fantasy. Probably won't be starting for anyone anytime soon. But God, that offense, the Ravens offense was just putrid. And it really is disappointing because like. RG3 was the savior of Washington at one point. I mean, he was the rookie of the year over Andrew Luck, which is incredible. And the way he was running the football, it was it was barely Kyler Murray-esque. I believe it was the knee injury that was pretty bad, and he suffered other injuries too, have like completely sapped him. I think at best, he was never going to be like a, an incredible passer, but uh, it seems like it's it's a bit sapped him of his rushing ability. He's just not like special anymore, which is really sad. It, it could have been a much different story with him. And yeah, Gus... Uh, Gus definitely blew his chance. What do we have here? Chiefs, best team in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Chiefs are like, it's a tear break. There's not even anyone close. Pittsburgh feels fake with their undefeated record. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're like performing, outperforming like Pythagorean expectation, which is just uh, like points, points for four versus points against. I think this Pythagorean win is just like teams who score more points than their opponents by a lot end up doing better. This team. Probably shouldn't be undefeated, but they're pretty good. They have a, they're probably the most complete team. I think their defense is so much better than probably any other team, definitely than the Chiefs. The problem is like Patrick Mahomes doesn't care about defense. He's just, uh, you know, he's just something, a different breed, man. I'm excited to see another like 15 years. Like I, I, we're NFL fans at a good time right now getting to see Patrick Mahomes. Like the only quarterback who I think has ever come close to what he did, Pat, what he's doing passing is Peyton Manning, and specifically because Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't take sacks and he doesn't throw interceptions. Like Russell Wilson used to at least not throw interceptions, but he took a ton of sacks. Patrick Mahomes like just doesn't make mistakes. He only makes good plays. It's, it's unreal. 0.5 PPR, Landry or Boyd, rest of season. Uh, I'll go with I'll go with Jarvis Landry. I just think this offense without Joe Burrow, even if they, you know, Brandon Allen's terrible and they move on from him, there are no better, like the, the options aren't going to be better. So I'll go with Jarvis Landry. I don't even like, I, I never really liked Jarvis Landry. He's just so meh. But if his quarterback is better, which he will be better than better than Brandon Allen, Baker Mayfield will be better than Brandon Allen. Yeah, I'll take Jarvis Landry this week and rest of season over Boyd and over, you know, Higgins on the same team as, as Boyd. Yeah, Gore, Gore is a uh, Gore is a start about a decade ago. The the injuries we have seen this season, Gore unfortunately is a start for some teams. I don't think I have any teams that are starting Frank Gore, uh, mostly because the teams I care about are doing well, and the teams I I don't care about are the ones that are bad. So I have no clue. I probably have a two and what two and ten team out there somewhere that could desperately use Frank Gore. It doesn't matter. This is a lost team, so not making a not making a ton of decisions. Carr will go off, especially if Josh Jacobs out. 
See, I, I'm not entirely sure Card goes off just because Josh Jacobs is out. Running back is such a plug-and-play position that I think their running attack will be similarly efficient, maybe a little less, but similarly efficient with Devontae Booker just because like running backs are are mostly replaceable. I'll totally admit that there are some running backs who break the mold and are at least like worth something above the replacement level. I think Josh Jacobs maybe is in that tier, but I don't think so. I can't, I can't say that yet. So for that reason, I think Devontae Booker, if he does get the start, probably looks just about as good as, as Josh Jacobs would have. And the defense is, is just such an easy matchup that we've seen Devontae Booker take advantage of soft defenses before. It was the revenge game versus Denver when that team was already downtrodden. They had lost and Devontae Booker shredded them in the fourth quarter. And then the first game, Josh Jacobs came back from, it was an injury and an illness. I believe it was knee injury and he was also sick. Devontae Booker actually was more efficient than him. So efficiency for running backs, I think is kind of just a product of the environment how good is your blocking? How good is like your advantage of blockers versus defenders in the box? This should be an easy matchup for him. I don't think he's any less efficient than Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr is in a good spot. He's a good streaming option. It's just you do run the risk that if he doesn't throw the first touchdown or two, he doesn't throw the ball much in the second half. So he's a good streaming option, but I wouldn't say that simply because Josh Jacobs is out, you're you're going all in on him. Let's see. Threw Murray around like a ragdoll a couple games back. Drake is good with Murray bum shoulder. Yeah, I like I like Drake a little more with Murray ailing from that uh, from that shoulder injury, which sucks. I have a lot of all my good best ball teams are Kyler Murray, and it's just uh, not going well. So before we get some more questions, guys, I just want to remind you that uh, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Yahoo is the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features. For those looking to play multiple lineups, make better choices, guys, and choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Let's get back to some questions. Let me see what we have here. Let's see. Start. Ooh, th- oh, this is a grimy quarterback question that I like. Start Cam Newton, Mitchell Trubisky, or Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. I'm going to give the slight lean to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, uh, Trubisky is in a good spot. His team has a solid implied team total. This, uh, this Detroit secondary, I believe, is bottom five in yards per attempt allowed. They are seventh in both FanDuel and DraftKings scoring, which is, you know, it's, one of one of your scoring systems will match FanDuel or DraftKings close enough. They're seventh in the NFL in points allowed in a or in a good way for streaming matchups. You know they they allow the seventh most fantasy points to opposing passers. I still think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with the better quarterback here in Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, Kyle. You know what? I will. Someone said Kyle drink some water. I will do myself a favor. My throat's a little scratchy. A little cup of coffee from the big old twenty ounce. Oh, it's good coffee too. It's like a local roast, Ethiopian. It's like a like a mid. It's not dark. It's, it's somewhere in between. It's not light roast either. Tastes like a like a like like a light dry baking chocolate. It's so good, man. Let's see. Do I pick up Gasecki or Jordan Reed or just keep fans? Man, this is difficult. I would say, I, man, I, tight end streaming questions are so are so brutal because tight end streaming right now is like if you didn't pick up one of the somehow Logan Thomas is the guy you should have picked up early in the season. If you didn't pick up Logan Thomas, you're kind of, uh, I'm not saying drawing dead, but it's difficult. Do I pick up Gasecki, Jordan Reed, or Noah Fant? I'm going to go with the best passing attack. And I think that's generally what I'm going to be looking for is Noah Fant maybe projects for a, a modestly better target share than either of those guys. But Mike Gasecki will certainly have the better passing attack just because we know like Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably good, good enough. He's at least aggressive enough to put up good fantasy numbers. I don't know if he's actually good, good, but he's good enough at being aggressive to make him one of the better quarterbacks to target the receivers of. I mean, we've seen it throughout his career, especially most recently with Tampa and then again with Miami. His receivers do well, and he typically does well too, but his receivers and tight ends by extension typically are the guys you want to target. So I will go with uh, we'll go with Mike Gusecki here. Let's see. I have a trade. Miles Sanders for Jonathan Taylor had the playoff spot already undecided. Oh, man. That's difficult. I would say I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor here. That hurts so much. I have so much Miles Sanders in all my best ball and season long in Dynasty. But the state of the Philly offense is simply that, one, they don't even give him the ball every single play. When you look at running backs who are on mediocre to worse offenses, you want to get the ball every single play. James Robinson is the perfect example. They could go out and put up seven points and it simply won't matter. He is so likely to be their touchdown producer and be their yardage producer. They haven't had a running back the entire season who has seen more than two carries. Two carries is not a lot. And they have not given a non James Robinson running back more than two carries in a, in a game this season. That's not the case with Miles Sanders. Most recently after coming back from the, the more recent injury, we've seen a little bit of Boston Scott. It's looking more like a, 
65-35 split between him and Boston Scott. Scott can also produce in, as a receiver. I'm a little concerned with him. So given that the volume between him and Jonathan Taylor is probably not that different at this point, I'm going to take the one who I think is on the better offense. And inexplicably, Philip Rivers is commanding a better offense than Carson Wentz, which is something that would have floored me if you told me this early in the season, if you told me this you know, in the non-existent preseason, I guess. If you told me this before the season, I would have said, oh, like Philip Rivers does, Carson Wentz, good. Let's wrap this question up and move on. It's unfortunately not the case. I'm going to go with, I think, what will be a similar volume and a better offense. So that, that sucks because I love Miles Sanders so much. Let's see. Yeah, I got the Cam, Cam Fitzmagic Trubisky. I will say I'll, I'll just add, I'll take Trubisky over Cam there. Cam has been like a mediocre to terrible passer throughout the season. You know, it's he's somehow like probably a worse passer than Mitchell Trubisky offers more rushing production, but Trubisky not a zero as a runner either. I guess I'll go with Trubisky there at least this week. Let's see. Quick question about the Osmo. Uh, let's see. Quick question about Osmo. The lineup builder can it be uploaded, exported to DK to more geared for cash and GPP? Uh, the lineup builder. I believe you can uh, upload and export the lineup builder to DK. Is it more geared towards cash or? Yeah. That's what I, oh, perfect. Oh, sorry. So Josh Ingleman on the sticks is talking to me, not talking to you guys. You can for sure upload to DK. Is it more geared towards cash or, or GPP? I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't think it's really pigeonholed to one thing or the other because you both get the um, contrarian ranking, the value ranking, I believe it is. So, you know, I think it's, it's more of a, just a versatile tool to look at the lineups you are building or have already built and figure out maybe it's, it's for figuring out for you what kind of lineup you have built. If you have built, you know, the low contrarian lineup, but high value, maybe you've built a cash lineup and vice versa. So I would say it's not really geared towards either. I think it's about how you use it and you can use it for either. Let's see what else we have. Salmon head. Yeah. Welcome to the chat. Salmon heads. Dude, I can't, can't with the salmon head thing. Guys, smash that like button. Really smash that like button. It literally puts oxygen from the air around me into my lungs, which are like greatly deprived of oxygen at this point. Does anyone know if Miles Gaskin is going to play? Um, we don't know if he's going to play yet. I don't believe, but he did log at least a limited practice, I think. So Miles Gaskin, if he plays, is a like if someone dropped Miles Gaskin, go and pick him up. He was a bell cow back in the middle of the year. If someone inexplicable, like I, I, I get it. You know, we only have so many roster spaces, and if you're going to lose Miles Gaskin for three to four games, it's difficult to hold him. But like you should have held him, and you should punish that owner for not holding him and go pick up Miles Gaskin. Is the other guy sick? That other guy's name is Matt. No, he is uh, working on, I would assume, college football projections right now. Like truly some of the best, if not the best, college football projections in the industry. So go ahead and, and, and check him out. Let's see. Pick two, Zeke, Cooks, or Taylor? Oh, man. Zeke's offense is not very good. I guess uh, I assume uh, Brandon Cooks this is. Brandon Cooks, this team is missing north of 40% of their targets. North, it's 45% of their receiving yards and half of their touchdowns. That is insane. Like, that is way more than losing DeAndre Hopkins did to them this past offseason that they just lost because Will Fuller suspended. Kenny Stills released like hours before the Fuller suspension. And last week, Randall Cobb went on IR, I believe. So they are losing so much receiving production. And like, Kiki Kute just ain't going to cut it. He ain't bringing that back. Their offense will get worse, but some of it, some of the lost production will go to Brandon Cook. So I think he's like, he could be a wide receiver one from here on out. He is at a minimum, a very solid wide receiver two. I'll take him. And then I think was the other one, Taylor. Uh, let's see. I feel like the other one was Jonathan Taylor, but I can't find the question anymore. I uh, getting a nod. So I'll go with Jonathan Taylor here. His volume may be less than, uh, maybe less than Ezekiel Elliott, but his offense again, like just more things that sound insane. The Phillip rivers offense is going to be better than the, the Dallas offense, which when you know, any Dalton's under center, I guess that kind of makes sense. So, I'll take uh, you know the touchdown potential and go with the Jonathan Taylor here. I think I talked about Miles Gaskin. Uh, start Dino Gore or Snell over Amari in a half PPR. Assuming James Conner isn't playing, I would actually just start uh, start Betty Snell, like a uh, favored running back on a good offense. I know they don't run a lot, which is kind of the concern, is that Pittsburgh is one of these sneaky teams that, although they are favorites nearly every week at this point, they just pass at a very high rate, despite being like a winning team. Like the Chiefs are like 14th in, in pass percentage, or I think it's actually Pittsburgh and the Chiefs are both like middle of the range in pass percentage. Given the amount that they are winning, you would think they would be like the, the least pass heavy teams in the NFL because all of their second halves are just blowouts like versus Jacksonville. Pittsburgh was crushing them by the third quarter and they still continue to pass the football. So 
You're maybe a little concerned with that, but I overall think you just lock up a lot of volume by playing Benny Snell. Kirk Cousins, Fitzmagic, what's the play this week? Uh, I'll go with Kirk Cousins here. I believe they have a 29 implied team total. It's like one of the three or four highest on the entire week. Simply a lot of touchdowns. Kirk Cousins has been incredibly efficient this year. Do they run the football just incessantly an annoying amount when you have awesome receivers that I want to play every week? Yeah, they run the ball a lot, but I think the efficiency is most important. And as long as you hit like a bare minimum threshold of we'll call it like 25 to 30 attempts, which is still on a very low end, quarterback efficiency is more influential in these high in these like high ceiling games. You see it with guys like Aaron Rodgers is always like this, where his equity in getting 300 yards isn't incredible. He can go for 220 and throw like five touchdowns. And that's how you get ceiling games out of quarterbacks for the most part. We have outliers where Drew Locke throws 55 times and gets to 300 yards by brute force. Those are the outliers. I think the more reliable thing is trying to figure out which quarterbacks are, you know, quote, good, or at least going to throw a lot of touchdowns, big chunk plays. He seems like the guy who would do that. So I'll go with Kirk Cousins here. Let's see. Josh's post come through. Oh yeah, Josh. It'd be, it'd be funnier if just every five minutes he just comes in. He's like, no, I wouldn't take Kirk Cousins there. Don't play. I don't know. Uh, Kiki Kute or Tyler Boyd. All right. I've slandered Tyler Boyd enough on this show. Let's not get crazy. We simply don't know what role Kiki Kute is going to have. And he's been like dreadfully inefficient on, uh, on the targets he's seen. Right now, I think it's probably in the ballpark of 10 or 12 receivers have seen at least 50 targets from Deshaun Watson in Deshaun Watson's career. He's last in adjusted yards per attempt among these guys. It's like five adjusted yards per attempt. Will Fuller on the other end, if you just want some perspective, is at 11.6. And Brandon Cooks is somewhere in the middle, like eight or nine. I think it's like 8.9. Kiki Kute, despite getting targets from one of the most efficient and just overall best quarterbacks in the league, is dreadfully inefficient. Because I think it's probably because he gets used like, like real discount Jarvis Landry. So I'm going to take what we can uh, at least project to be similar, if not more volume, with a Tyler Boyd. And he is a better player. He is more efficient. His quarterback play, admittedly, is not in the realm of Deshaun Watson. But we don't even know that Kute is going to be the number two. It's likely that he's the number two. But do we know that for sure? I'd say we don't. So I'm going to lock in the volume, admittedly, kind of radioactive volume when you're getting them from Brandon Allen. But I'm going to lock in the volume with Tyler Boyd. Herbert or Trubisky? Don't you do this to me. Justin Herbert. I, like the, I guess he plays the Patriots this week. Maybe that's why we're asking. Patriots aren't even, you know, they've regressed so much and they had players opt out. They've had players injured. Like they are a middling at best defense. They're just, just like any other defense. Justin Herbert is not just like any other quarterback. He's incredible. I think he's averaging over 300 yards per game. Like one of the better rookie seasons we have seen in recent years. I don't know about ever because like my football knowledge dates back to like less than a decade ago, but I would say one of the best receiving or one of the best uh, passing seasons for a rookie. Maybe, maybe ever, maybe ever. Yeah, let's see. Like Kirk this week with Thielen back. We do like Kirk this week with Thielen back. Yeah, what are my thoughts on Kirk Cousins this week? He's an efficient passer. He plays on a team with a very high team total. It's good enough for a streaming option. I'm not excited about it, but it's good enough. What else do we have? Duke Johnson even worth playing. If David Johnson comes back, no, definitely not. If David Johnson doesn't come back, but the, the coach has said he looked good in practice, so it seems likely. If he doesn't come back, yes, any starting running back that is going to see almost all of the work is worth playing. I think CJ Proceis is even banged up right now. Pick three, Carson, Gibson, Mostert, Dobbins, Jacobs, if he's in. I'll put in Jacobs if he's in, but I don't think he's going to be in. Mostert, his team is probably bad at this point. I'm not playing Mostert. Gibson is really good, and he led the team, or at least the backfield, in routes run last week and in targets last week. Is that a blip on the radar? I don't know, maybe. But if it's not, he's a three-down back. He's good at producing touchdowns despite his offense being mediocre. I'm going to go with Gibson here, and uh, I need to pick another one. Oh, Chris Carson. So I saw just before the show, Carlos Hyde was like a DNP today, did not practice, got downgraded with, I would assume, like a midweek injury. If he's not there to steal work from Chris Carson, we're going to get Belkow Chris Carson. We didn't get that the last time we saw Chris Carson return from injury last week. I don't care. I think if Carlos Hyde isn't there, we see a ton of work for Chris Carson on one of the higher implied team totals of the week. You, you jam Chris Carson in if they have no other backup running backs. All right, I'll answer a few more questions. We're getting here up at uh, up at one o'clock. Let's see. Keenan Allen's way better and more consistent. I don't know who Keenan Allen is more better or consistent than. I didn't see who this argument comes with. But uh, yes, Keenan Allen is better and more consistent than almost any other receiver in the NFL, Justin Herbert under center. He has been unreal what he's doing. He's producing touchdowns, which is kind of something that like, um, I think the question, yeah, like Robert Woods, Neither of them have really done up to this point in their career. 
Both of them are flipping the script, but I'm just going to take the mega number one super alpha receiver in Keenan Allen over number one slash one B Robert Woods on a way less of the passing attack from Justin Herbert just completely dwarfs anything you're going to get from Jared Goff. So Keenan Allen, always, always, always Keenan Allen. He's so good. Let's see. Duke is in my doghouse. I don't blame you, but didn't he score a touchdown most recently on Thanksgiving? Pull him out of the doghouse. Johnson is expected to be activated this week. Yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, regardless of uh, whether you should pull Duke out of the doghouse or not. Yeah, Jacobs hasn't practiced all week. Doesn't look like he's playing. So everyone, if you can find Devontae Booker on the waiver wire, go and pick him up. Bridgewater, Hill, or Rivers rest of season. We'll end with this one because I've slandered Taysom Hill a little bit. But Taysom Hill, for what he's worth, is averaging 10 carries and over 40 yards per game. I think he has double rushing touchdowns in both games. That's not the expectation. But to get 10 carries a game is incredibly rare. And he's not been bad as a passer. He's averaging like seven or eight yards per attempt, which is surprising. He was a terrible college quarterback. He was like awful at BYU in terms of his efficiency numbers. He's been pretty good in the NFL. Like maybe there definitely is something to playing behind. Maybe the GOAT quarterback, at least, uh, you know, top five quarterback all time with an incredible coach getting to, you know, practice, you know, play in the same, uh, play in the same locker room as Drew Brees. Taysom Hill is a decent enough passer. He faces a terrible Atlanta defense and he is among the three or so best running quarterbacks in terms of the production they give you. Taysom Hill, I think is probably a QB one this week and uh, every week going forward until like as long, as long as his team doesn't play a, play a non quarterback at quarterback any other week. Cause if he doesn't score those touchdowns, he's drawing dead, which he did, but you know, that wasn't great. So Let's see. Uh, great stuff. PPR League, Cup or Hollywood Brown. It's still Cooper Cup. Uh, I can't play these Ravens. So Taysom Hill, QB1. Don't don't buy this Hollywood Brown resurgence if they get guys back. Guys, uh, check out, before we get out of here, just want to remind you to check out the Osmo Plus. You can get access to Osmo, the Osmo Plus tools, the content for like nearly every DFS sport, like literally every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass, $29.95. This includes full access to the premium content, our tools at Osmo.com, player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack, much more. If you're only looking to play NFL, and sign up for just the weekly NFL package. It's $14.95. Or, or if you want even less commitment, less commitment, it's only $3.95 to sign up for NFL Express Weekly. Stop guessing, start winning, join Osmo Plus today. Check out Yahoo Daily Fantasy. And of course, just like and subscribe to the video, turn notifications on. Helps more people see us, helps grow the helps grow the Salmonhead clan is what we'll be calling this from now on. So everyone, thanks for checking us out. You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. Thanks, uh, you know, check out Matt's stuff if you like college football. He's been with us every week until this season. Next week, we'll have Greg Ehrenberg as like a, a weekly guest for myself, for the people who weren't here today. Thanks for tuning in.